0: Our text today is uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 11, going through to verse 24. If you've got a Bible, keep your Bible open there and we'll, we'll learn some truths together. We're thinking about um, those around us, knowing that we belong to Christ, that we're Christians by the love that we express, the love that we display, because our text is really all about love. And John tells us this is not something new to the believer, this is something familiar to the believer, because this was um birthed in us at that point, that moment of salvation. This is the opportunity for all believers to express the love of God to one another and to our fellow man, but we're concentrating on believers. So we're expressing this genuine love for each other. See, this is a love referred to by John as being a holy love. It's a, a love that um, enables us as believers to really express this love, this Christ, Christ-like, God-like love to one another. That's what we're looking for here. So it becomes a love that avoids sin and avoids sinning in our lives. We avoid that It's a love that is... Different to what the world offers and what the world knows as being love. This love is sacrificial, and because of its sacrifice, it actually sends people throughout the world that we call missionaries, we call Christian workers, to express this love and to share this love with their fellow man. Uh, this is the love that rescues young girls that are sold into prost- prostitution in certain countries. This love goes in and snatches them and protects them and keeps them safe. This love is determined to keep the body of Christ, to keep the church pure for the glory of God. Uh, th- this love lives obediently to the teachings of christ irrespective of culture it's not driven by culture it's driven by the word of god it's driven by god's love for um, ourselves and for a fellow man <clears throat> this love is a, a rich appreciation of god's word of god's truth so this love is driven to live from the truth and to express that truth and, and all that we say and do this love is a, a dedication a commitment um, a desire to bring glory to god and to god alone that's what this love drives the the believer to do. And so John takes that love and he contrasts that with them by by expressing the difference between two Old Testament characters, known as Cain and Abel. You'll be familiar with them. We read about them in um, Genesis chapter four, verses two and eight. Let's read that and catch what's being said here. Uh, Now she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of uh, of the, the fruit of the grounds of the Lord. Abel also brought of, of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. That's a very important point. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Because he had disobeyed, and God was saying, why did you do that? And why is your kindness fallen? If you do well, will you will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and it's desire the desire of sin, he says, is for you. But you should rule over it. You should conquer sin. You shouldn't let sin do that to you. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against his brother, Abel's brother, and killed him. So we get an understanding of the picture. Here's two brothers, and one has done the right thing by God, one has done the wrong thing, and so there's a death. Now, in all of this, John asks the question, why did he murder him? And then he continues by answering his own question. He says, because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. That's so important. One of the brothers had uh, unsuitable works. The other works were righteous. He was an evil, ungodly individual. And with this, we need to note that with unsaved mankind, nothing, nothing has ever changed and nothing ever can change unless it's repentance and salvation. They cannot help but have a a growing bitterness, a growing hatred towards Christianity, and a growing hatred towards all of those who belong to Jesus Christ. They do that. That's just inherent in the the unsaved, for example. You may think that's a a harsh statement, even an unfortunate statement, but as you align that with the Word of God, I want you to catch what you actually read. Let's read then the account of Stephen in Acts 6. Uh, verses eight to fourteen. Stephen, for the faith, empowered did great wonders and signs among the people. That's a real positive thing he's doing. Then there are those some from what is called the synagogue of the freed men, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen, so they're disagreeing with what he says. That's okay too, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. So they they were troubled by this. Then they secretly induced men to say. We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. That's untrue. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. So they just went and snatched him away, seized him. And they also set up false witnesses. They did this, set up false witnesses, um, who said, this man does not seek to speak blasphemous words against the this holy place and the law. But we have heard him say that Jesus, that Jesus of Nazareth, will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. So they are seeing something beautiful. But then we read in Acts uh, Acts chapter 7, next chapter over, verses 51 to 60, where that went to. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, uh, says the, the Holy Spirit. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, um, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of the angels, and have not kept it. So you've you've betrayed truth, you've heard truth, you've received truth, but you've not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, so they're strung right to them, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. There was real anger, real venom here. But he being full of the Holy Spirit, is he into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out, this is them united, they cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord and they cast him out of the city. So they drive Stephen out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Later we come to know him as Paul after conversion. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, this is the love, this is the grace of God, Lord, do not charge him with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So he said, Lord, don't, don't put the sin on them. Don't put the sin on them. They're doing the wrong thing, but somehow show grace to them, show mercy to them. And with that, John's words in verse 13 shouldn't come as a surprise to us as we endeavor to live for God. Do not be surprised, surprised brothers and sisters, if the world hate you. Don't be shocked at this. Don't be taken uh, aback by this. It's normal. It's expected. Remember the world, referring here to the unsaved, who are trapped in the kingdom of Satan's darkness, this world all around us, this system that we live in, are blinded to God's truth by God's great enemy, the devil. You see, according to verse 14, we, those who believe, the believers, have passed from death to life, so we're living. We've done this by believing in Jesus Christ to be the Redeemer, and therefore the only one capable of forgiving sinful man. But anyone who has not experienced God's grace by salvation remains or abides in death. Um, this means the unsaved all around us have no hope of experiencing the future eternal state promised to the believer. They are only assured physical death in this life, then eternal death in the life hereafter. It's a pretty tragic, bleak sort of scene. And for that reason, it's imperative that we share the gospel to the ends of the earth is an expression of both God's love for, um, uh, for our fellow man and all we need to oh know Christ. So that's what, why we send out workers, that's why we send out missionaries to, to express this love, to make this love known to our fellow man. You see, the unsaved desperately need Christ, and our task, our responsibility, is to present hope, to present Jesus to them in that way. Now, John then gets very, very direct in verse 15 with his words Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And, and you know you're aware by the law that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So as believers, we might we might struggle to to offer God's love from within uh, and as to the unsaved lines. We would say this is this is hard to love these people. But it'd be hard really to to love those who are persecuting you or your family if you're in the midst of that. That'd be a really tough call to, to love these people somehow. It'd be difficult to forgive the murder of your child, of your spouse, of a family member, that would be incredibly difficult. But as we switch such thoughts to those who belong to the church having been forgiven in Christ, we're called to love our brothers and sisters and Jesus. And we're called to appreciate what who they are and what Christ has done for all of us together in giving himself for our sin on the cross. Then in verses 16 to 18, John qualifies that we as believers have Come to know and understand this love of Christ to be the obvious characteristic of all who profess Christ to be their Lord. So we say, wow, that's a brother or sister, because look at the love being expressed. It's this unusual type of love. As Christians, as believers, we're called to follow the example of Christ. Now, Now, Jesus, as I said, he expressed his love for you by laying down his life. He went to the cross for you. He said, "I'm going to give my life for you. I'm going to lay down my life for you." That means that he gave up everything that was important to him because he considered you to be of greater importance to him than absolutely anything else in this universe. You're so important to him. Your soul, your eternal destiny is so important that he laid down his life to redeem you. And with Christ in his self-sacrifice to redeem us, we're called equally to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters who belong to Jesus. We say, we've got to protect them, care for them, look after them in practical ways. Literally, he is telling us to live sacrificially as the church, as his church. Live in a way that prefers others within the church to yourself. So he writes that if, you have the world, if you've got the world's goods, that is, if you have material wealth, and we all do, at your disposal, then you need to use that to help those who belong to Christ and have needs. His emphasis appears to be, uh, don't give it to the world, don't give it to those who have got all this stuff, but use it within the church and our ministries at home and across the world for God's glory, because these are the people that are doing it tough. These are the people that are struggling because they're really living for Jesus. And that causes us to think what the church really should be like. Now, to make it abundantly clear what what he, what, what he um, wants here to convey, John advises to the believer that it's never enough to simply say that that you, that we, uh, those who love love Christ and belong to Christ, that, that we love him. We've got to, I mean, we love these other believers. We've got to act upon the claim we believe. We've got to put legs on, we've got to put it into action. We've got to express it. And this is, John, as an expression of our love for Christ. We love one another because he loved us. And from this very practical desire to express the love of Christ for one another as God's redeemed children, John writes in verse 19 that this is how we will know that we belong to the truth it's an evidence for us that well i belong to the truth because i've got this desire to live for jesus and to care for my brother and sister to provide for them to meet the needs i've got that desire so i want to do that that's the evidence that i belong and live to jesus um that's so important for us to grasp that and this is how we will know that we belong to the truth. As Christians, the truth of God's word has caused us to be redeemed, has caused us to be born again, has caused us to be a people who are being transformed. And this this truth also has moved us into that lifestyle, that mannerism of of being sanctified, that is becoming holy beings, becoming more and more and more and more like Jesus with all that we say, with all that we do. That's what Christianity really is about. And because of this, we become a people that are hungry to know God's word and then to live obediently to the truth expressed in God's word. You see, truth is very, very powerful. We believe God's word, the Bible, to be truth, irrespective of what we might um, think about it or our conscience may tell us about it. So we're called by God to seek a, a realization of finding out what truth really is because only the truth can set us free. Now, let's check our lives right here. We can know with assurance that we belong to the truth, and that truth, obviously, is Jesus Christ, by looking back at verse 18 and making certain that, uh, that this is our practice of life, that we do not only love in word or speech, but we love in action and in truth. So in other words, we see a need and we respond. There's something here motivating us, causing us to live like this. For example, a parent can tell the child, I love you, but then mistreat them, even abuse them. um, That statement then somehow loses all authority. So I can tell God, I love you, Father, but not live according to his word, not live according to his truth. Then I become a liar. I become a false false believer. I become a hypocrite. The ability to love God and to love our fellow believers as God loves them is an ability that can only belong to the truly redeemed soul, to the believer. The unsaved, sadly, transically, are incapable of living in this way. But lest we're in some way confused, John writes in verse 20 here, that God is greater than our hearts, for he, he knows all things, he knows every aspect of our lives, and it's, it's God who will be our judge, not ourselves, as we compare our actions of life against those around us. So we, what we tell ourselves, I'm a pretty good believer, because in comparison to John or Jimmy over here, I'm pretty decent, I'm doing the right thing, we forget that our hearts are totally deceptive. But the good news is this that God is at work in every one of his truly redeemed children. And he's changing us, he's transforming us. He tells us to work out like your own salvation, to live like a salvation. So that's a, a transformation that is taking place in your life and my life as his children. And as you and I live out our lifestyles of love for God and our, our brothers and sisters, we're going to develop a confidence. We're going to develop a boldness in bring petitions and requests. To God, but we're going to have this compass that we're, we're requesting the right thing, we're talking to him the right way. So, so John states that the obedient Christian, this believer who's obedient, this believer who lives obediently, that they find an unusual pleasure, they find a, an unusual joy in keeping his commandments and doing what is pleasant in his sight. There's something beautiful for you and I as we do that. You see, your obedience is driven by your love for Jesus Christ. So here's what this commandment looks like in verse 23, that we believe that we have a knowledge of understanding in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, that's the only one, and love one another as he has commanded us. This is something that God has told us to do in his word. So we, it's not optional. We can't choose this. We're called to do this. We're called to live this way. The inner verse, John brings together three important elements. Of our relationship in jesus christ he talks about faith love and obedience And with these three truths in our lives we can be confident we can have an amazing confidence in our belonging to christ which is what john wants us to be certain of john wants you to be sure that you belong to christ and that you will be in heaven that your sins are forgiven that you're redeemed that you're living for god he wants you to have that certainty that assurance that no one can ever take away from you so he talks about faith love and obedience number one faith through the name of jesus christ we have salvation uh bringing us faith in him and it's only in that way can we have this faith. so he writes about it in acts chapter 16 verse 31 uh, where he, t- he tells us here believe in the lord jesus and you will be saved believe put your confidence your trust your knowledge and understanding and what Jesus has said, what he declares, that he is the son of God, he's the only one who can forgive sin, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you, you will be saved. You'll be redeemed, you'll be set free from sin. Now, this salvation is an ongoing feature. Your salvation can look back to a time, a moment, whenever it, it happened, but whenever it took place, you point to that moment and say, that's when I gave my life to Christ. That's when my life changed. That's when my whole world changed. That's when I got saved. That's when Jesus came into my world, came into my life. But it doesn't stop there. That's only the beginning. That's why John emphasizes in verse 24: the one who keeps his commands remains in him or perseveres or continues. He continues to walk with Jesus. He continues on this journey that's maybe not always easy, but he's doing it for Christ. So salvation was not just for that moment or that day. It was for, for this day. It's for tomorrow. Salvation is not going to change, it's going to continue, and you're going to grow to be like Jesus Christ. That's the, the faith that you have and from that day when you gave your life to him. It is matured to this day, where you're more like Christ than you were on, on that day, and then to tomorrow, where you will be more like Christ than you are today. So it's a moving, changing lifestyle, becoming holy, becoming like Jesus Christ. So your faith matures. It lets you know that Christ is very much alive in you, as assured by his spirit that lives in all who truly know him and have this faith in him. Secondly, our love for one another is that becomes another evidence of our remaining or abiding in Jesus Christ. The love that John refers to is a love that chooses to love others above oneself, to prefer others and to make the sacrifice for them. John previously wrote about it in um, his gospel in chapter 13, 34 and 35. Here's what he says, a new commandment uh, I, I give to you. So you can hear everybody ready to listen for a new commandment. And he says that that you love one another. But, wow, that, that's a new commandment. You can hear, almost see his listeners, well, that's something you just, we need to put that into practice, that you love one another. And he says this, that you love one another as I have loved you. You're to love one another just like I love you, that you also love one another. It's going to be an expression of your relationship with me, and he says, by this all will know that you are my disciples You if you have love for one another. They haven't even spoken, they haven't said anything, just this lifestyle of genuine Calvary-type love speaks volumes without even using words. So our love for Christ, our love for his church, our love for fellow believers, it matures, it gives us assurance that we belong to God through Christ, which, again, only the true believer can express such love number three finally as we live a life of obedience through keeping his commands our confidence in knowing christ and knowing his spirit living in us and moving in us assure to of our belonging to him so the spirit ministers to us and says yes you belong to christ you're living for him enjoy this christ is given to every true believer his holy spirit because and because his holy spirit lives in you you can be 100% confident, 100% certain that you will share, uh, that you even share his love with your fellow believers. You can do that because his spirit lives in you. This life of obedience coming from the spirit living out. As you read the word of God, spirit takes the word of God and you live it for your fellow believer. You live it before your fellow man. And all of this, all of this qualifies you as a redeemed child of God to declare with the full authority of heaven behind you that you're a true child of God and that you will always express the love of Christ for the the greater glory of God. That's why you're going to do this. You're not going to do it for yourself. You're doing it for God and for his greater glory. And the world looking in says, we want to be like that. We want to be part of that because that's an amazing privilege that we don't experience. So they need to come to Christ and want to help them do that. And later John is going to tell us that this is love that we walk according to his commandments in 2 John 6. This is love. Walk in these commandments. Follow his directions. Follow his statements. Follow his ways. So I want to encourage you this week. Keep on walking. Keep on following. Keep on pursuing uh, this life for the glory of God and the love of Christ that is directed by his Holy Spirit in accordance with his inspired word, the Bible. And when you do that, you will have this amazing assurance that you belong to Christ. Even though you sin, even though you get it wrong, even though you make mistakes, you're going to have this amazing assurance you belong to Christ and you're going to honor and glory, glorify and magnify your wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What an amazing privilege to have an opportunity to express this this love. By us doing this, the world will know that we belong to Christ. That's a great testimony. So I want to invite you this week. Get into it, live it, share it, Um, show the love of Christ to one another show the love of Christ to those around you and have a great and amazing time doing it especially as we head into Christmas be blessed and have a great week and thanks for listening once again, thank you